Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Brooklet Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games for beautifully crafted content that provokes creative problem-solving and dramatic scenarios. Brooklyngames.com, find zines and more, patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games. Welcome to Wallabies and Wizards. This is your host, Light the Light-Fingered Thief today, and I hear I'm joined by Logar. I am Logar the Barbarian. You are Logar the Barbarian, but you have been Logar the Librarian sometimes as well. Oh, I'm always I'm always a librarian. Me and my oh, books. <laughs> <laughs> but I my books, my book addiction. Reading my Gramsci yesterday. Yeah, Gramsci's fascinating. Anyways, <laughs> anyway, so you know we are going by our class titles, but obviously we have other hats as well too. So I was curious to get your thoughts, Logar, as Logar the uh, player, I guess, in regards to class-based mechanic systems versus non-class or, or profession-based systems that are out there. Because traditional D&D is class-based, yeah. while the newer systems like uh, Cairn, Knave, Into the Odd, and even your Hobo's Guide are without a profession or class. Well, Hobo's Guide does have a profession or class. It's, everybody's the same thing—a hobo, a space hobo. Well, everyone's a space hobo. <laughs> everybody, it's very strange. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little rewind here, and I'm going to um I'm gonna go back to the '90s and the '80s, and and, and before second or sorry, second edition, before third edition really comes out, and some later second edition stuff is that there used to be in games there were sort of I want to say two veins and one was like okay there was a skill-based system where you create what you want by skills and flavors and then there was like a class-based system where the class has these fixed things yep this starts to change around second edition where they start making variations of class and third edition sinks its claws into it now what a class-based system is has changed a lot since like old school essentials or i'm calling old school like bx ad and d those games to what third edition and fifth edition and Paizo has out for Pathfinder, like this modern, I'm going to say there's a modern strand, the D20 strand that, that kind of deviates from the game with starting with third edition, going over to Pathfinder and fifth edition. It all kind of plays that way. And it's very skill based with the class. Yeah, but there's huge power creep, I would argue, <laughs> well, between yeah. three E, 5E, and Pathfinder. So I'm not a big fan of how they adjusted the game because the power, I don't even there call it is. creep. There the is power, power, explo- power explosion with all the feats and other things. Like skill based systems can have can can lend themselves to uh, more power creep. Now, an exception to to this, which is not an exception to the power creep, but but to the class based system, is is Palladium has an occupational character class or an OCC where they have classes that are highly skill based. So the skill being this element of is often like with Call of Cthulhu or yeah, with basic GURPS, role play systems, yeah, Chaosium or GURPS, right? Very skill based systems where there's not a class you're picking, but you're creating and crafting the character by the skills that they have, right? Which I like that type of uh, mechanic more than a traditional 
class-based system. And now here's, I'm going to put this out there with that too, is that when you're dealing with skill-based systems, a character creation is going to take a little longer than I feel like. Fully agree. Systems. It's going to be crunchier <laughs> than crap and it's going to take a long time. And I fully agree with you there. <laughs> Now, Chaosium's uh, basic role play system, uh, GURPS. I like GURPS, and I and I'm I'm very much becoming the 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 GURPS proselytizer, just like I was the the Palladium proselytizer forever. Palladium is it, Palladium is a rough one to make characters for, and it's one of it's, those ones like it's Third Edition. Pretty, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's crunchy. Um, oh, it's it's not just as crunchy; it's disorganized. That's the problem I have with the Palladium system. I feel like Chaosium's crunchy and organized. Palladium. It's, they, they need an editor. <laughs> I would like to see a approach at a Palladium, just a basic Palladium system. Third edition is a generic system with an open game license for people to create their stuff and then put out like a world book for Rifts that does the Rift stuff, a world book for Nightbane, a world book for all their different settings for that and having like one generic system compiled in one area. I feel that would be helpful. Agree. Agree. But anyways, going back to skill-based versus class-based versus item-based, which is what Karen and uh, Nave have been... Yeah, well, then you have, like, these storytellers, these story games, like, what are, like what's the name of the one that's real, the thing that's real popular? You got the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff going on, you got the... Is that where the playbooks come from, or is that fake? I, I'm a little confused. I get I get a few of these confused a little bit, because I haven't really ran any of them. Yeah, I think it's Powered by Apocalypse. Um, we're we're going to be u- using Fate here soon, but Fate, you know, Fate is just a core I, need book. Fake, I need some fate. I got the fake court book. I, I've I've not really spent a lot of time looking into it. So I'm excited to play faith. Fate's one of those ones I've been wanting to play, but don't want to run. I want to see how it runs before I try to run it. <laughs> so we'll be using fate this coming Wednesday for a holiday game. But like I said, it's the first time I'll be using it. So, you know, we'll learn through it, <laughs> but it looks pretty relatively simple. But yeah. uh, I mean, with like the into the yard cave and uh, Karen and Nave. Sorry, I said cave. <laughs> well, it, I'm going to put this out there why I like it. Because I'm not going to say that I prefer a skill-based system over a class-based system. When it comes to playing a fantasy role-playing game that's akin to Dungeons & Dragons, we'll say. My flavors of D&D or my additions of D&D. I have a lot of appreciation for the class-based system that is the kind of like that Holmes... Uh, the whole traditional BX, yeah, BX, white box that that era, and the reason why I have a preference over that class based system is because I know it well enough that I don't have to look through a book as often to find things as I would with some of the later editions. Yeah, I mean that's familiarity. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're familiar. <laughs> it's my familiarity, so we're familiar with it because we've been. Well, we've been playing since, since we're kids. Yeah, for decades. I know it well. I've, we know it well enough, but <laughs> but from a preference standpoint, I would still prefer a skill-based system, understanding that character creation is going to be crunchy and painful. So I think that it depends on the game I'm going to run. So like, if I'm going to run some sort of sci-fi game that's going to be in the vein of like, there's going to be like ship repairs and you know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm going to be going for certain types of stories that are a little less than my basic dungeon delve, hex crawl, uh, traditional D and D. I like the skill systems. I don't have a problem with them for the most part. I think GURPS is a great one. And and, and I like this, this, the, the basic mechanic of 3d6 roll under your stat. 
pretty wonderful system. I don't have a problem. I, I like it. It's simple. It works. <laughs> and Chaosium skill-based system is just pretty much rolling percentile, which is yep. easy. I to love catch percentiles. <laughs> so class-based versus skill-based. And I'm framing it as class versus skill-based. I think that there's a lot of other different approaches to it as well. Now, looking at Nave and stuff like that, like you said, they're doing something totally different. It's it's item-based. Right. Inventory item-based, what you're carrying. And as I said before on the show, like, we ran Nave, and I loved it, and my players loved it. And I, like, again, big fan. I'm a big fan of what they did. I think that for some groups, I would rather run Nave than some of the more complex systems, even the D&D, the BX and stuff like that. Um, swords and wizardry or anything along those lines because Nave is pretty stripped down, bare bones, easy to run with and quick to get started. <laughs> yep. So have you have you tried Blades in the Dark? I have not tried Blades in the Dark. I don't know a lot about it. I've been wanting to pick the books up, but I have not yet. So I'm going to try to get those here because they're on the bundle of holding. I did pick up Scum and Villainy, so that one I've been reading through and there's some interesting mechanics in there not not class mechanics but more other game mechanics so yeah i've been wanting to check out blades in the dark for a while there's blades in, blades in the dark scum and villainy and band of blades are the three i've been curious to checking out i'm wondering how easily i'd be able to merge the three how easily they play well together because i'm always interested in compatibility when it right. comes to a game like one of the things i loved about palladium is there's all these books i could use together it may not be the game I'm running. I may not be running Nightbane, but I could take any of this Nightbane stuff and use it in my Heroes game or my Rifts game or whatever else. Right, because you can pull the same bestiary because all the bestiaries have the same stats, so mm-hmm. it's well, easy to translate. It's Palladium. There ain't no bestiaries, and that's the bear of running is you got to make everything up yourself. <laughs> oh, and I wish they put out bestiaries with pre-made stats. Oh, I would buy well. those up, and I would probably be more inclined to like, hey, let's play Palladium a little more often. Yeah, yeah. And it's that time crunch on my preparation that is one of the biggest things. Like, if you have a system that's skill based, is it? Am I going to have to roll up the skills for every single thing that we're going to run up against, or not? <laughs> no, that's true. So, for example, in many of the games that we played, you just want like a generic mook, you know, a goblin, mm-hmm. a generic criminal. It's not easy to do with a uh, skill-based system because, like you said, oh, we need like all these attributes. Then we got to have all these skills. While within a class-based system, you're like, oh, I have a goblin, hit dice, AC, sword. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a simplicity to it that really works. The amount of information I need to run a monster or even an NPC in combat and other things with AD&D or Holmes, or any of the earlier, the pre-third edition editions, the amount of information I need to run those with with monsters and stuff to fight and to interact with is very minimal. Even yeah. though <laughs> they give a lot more information, it tends to be in some of the some of the the monster manuals for some of those editions. I feel that the amount that I actually use is is is, is, is uh, low <laughs> yeah but you know one of the gripes that i have in the traditional class systems is in terms of the limitations of what your character can use and do which i understand you're trying to minimize power creep but you know if you're a wizard i feel like if you're a wizard you should be able to wield a sword if you want mm-hmm. at a huge penalty which is how hyperborea does it yeah hyperborea has proficient weapons that you're proficient in that you're allowed to use you can use any other weapon you want it's just at a huge penalty so for me, I like that because that's realistic, right? A wizard shouldn't be able to 
we would have pole arm, but if you want to, it's going to be at a very high penalty if you, if, if you use it. So Yeah, and Hyperborea is Osric slash AD&D, the core system of itself. So any way you can run that, you can, you'll be able to run any of those old games, even if it's not explicitly in one of the books, as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? As house rules, you can use that kind of stuff easy. And I'm not one who sticks with what the book says. Like if I run OSE or whatever, I'm going to use stuff from AD&D that I like. Of course. Swords and Wizardry. Swords and Wizardry is probably, if I'm going to, like, if I pick the two most uh, impressed with class-based systems out there that I think are great, I'm going to pick two for, for two very different reasons. Of, and this is class-based of the original old-school fantasy. Sure, the classic classic fantasy, yep. So basic fantasy role-playing game, I suggest RPG from Chris Gonerman, the basic fantasy RPG, I think is one of the greatest because of its accessibility and it's the base game and it's ascending armor class, which I really appreciate. But the one I really, uh, other one I really like and think is one of the best is swords and wizardry because it is so rules light minimal that I can use any OSE, AD and D, whatever rule set and systems and concepts in there without it breaking the game. They just fit modularly in there. It's the core game. How different is Osric versus Swords and Wizardry? Versus Osric versus Swords and Wizardry. So he he did them both. He did them both. Osric right. is Osric was... Osric right. is like Osric is a look at the at, at kind of that era of advanced Dungeons and Dragons. We got the core books. Swords and Wizardry is like the early game before the hardbacks come out and whatnot. So Swords and Wizardry is like going towards kind of the the base box. Is not the it's not Holmes. It's not. Uh, but it, but it's so close to like old school essentials, it's flawlessly fits together. Like anything for Swords and Wizardry or old school essentials, whichever you're playing, totally interchangeable. The biggest difference, I think, is with savings throws, whereas one gives you a single savings throw. I think the other one gives you individual savings throws. Ah, uh, yes. And but that's, that's to me, almost minimal of a difference. <laughs> like, I still have that savings throw. <laughs> right, you still got to make your savings throw of some sort. Yeah, so, and if a monster just has one, I'll just use that savings throw. It doesn't change the mechanic or anything like that in the game, I don't feel, when I run at the table. It, it, there's no hindrance. But I'm trying to think some of the other systems that we've uh, played like Free League, for example. I mean, Free League has a class-based well, system, class sort of. Yeah, it, uh, so when you get into Free League games, it's getting a little hazy if it's a class or not to me. There's like right. almost like archetypes. There are, uh, as it works, and you get a lot of choice in what you get because it's not like, you, like, like with if you're playing... OSCE or Swords and Wizardry, you get these definitive things. Right. Free League's character creation also focuses a little more on character development as a well, character. It's your, it's your background and how you grew up and what yeah. you experienced in life and your relationship with the, the your relationships others. with others and that, that impacts your character quite a bit. So yeah. So the Free League takes a slightly different with the old with the year zero engine games at least. Um, I, I love the Year Zero engine. I think it's a beautiful, elegant system. It's one of the best role-playing game systems I've seen pop out in decades. <laughs> hey, are, are, are we going to play that that that, that one that they had with Into the Loop or whatever it was? Well, I've got the books for Into the Into the Into the. Or was it? Hold on, it's a uh, Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop, yeah. And uh, Things from the Flood. So Tales from the Loop is the 80s version, and Things from the Flood is the 90s version. 
well, I want to play the 80s version, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm honestly of those, like outside of Coriolis, wanting to run a regular Coriolis campaign. The one game of those I want to run the most out. Well, then, then there's, I would, I am going to go back to Forbidden Lands one day. I will because I've ran it before. I love it. And when the bestiary gets in here, I'm going to have a burning itch to play it because I'm waiting on that bestiary to show up. But I really want to run Mutant Year Zero. Mutant Year Zero. Why is that? It, well, this number one is it, 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 it's a brilliant game. <laughs> I mean, um, I guess are you running it for the genre or for the mechanics? I guess. Yes, it's where the mechanics come from. But there's a great game there that that all of these have kind of taken off of, and there's so much you can do with it. Even if I don't run a long-running campaign, which you could easily run a long-running campaign, there's just tons of stuff you could do it. Like, if we do one on Wednesday night, run it for four weeks, I think we could have a lot of fun with that. Mutant Year Zero is an interesting game. Yeah, I would love to get a chance to do it. It's very hex crawl bla- or not hex, yeah, very hex crawl based and very resource management based. But it's 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 interesting. It's unique. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was just curious because I know we've talked about obviously we have a MCC Mutant Crawl Classic games. Mm-hmm that we're doing and then uh... i'd say that mcc is very different from mutant year zero mutant year zero is kind of a hard sci-fi compared to mutant crawl classics uh mutant year zero definitely has a setting that is i'd say purely post-apocalyptic less gonzo you're more focusing on building and surviving within like what they call an arc and your strongholds is kind of a focus now, there are some variations depending on which books you're looking at and how it changes because you have the one book where you run robots or one book where you run the core book, you run humans who are mutants. Then there's a book where you can play robots. There's a book where you can play mutant animals. And then there's a book where you play other humans who have been like sheltered from all the mutations and all the stuff going on out in the world. Uh, okay, got it. So it's definitely builds up a large, there's a lot of world building going on from book to book, kind of fleshing out the setting. But it's a neat game. It's really cool, and I yet to run it. Well, I mean, uh, I think we had the Expanse on our list as well, too, from the Free League, right? Uh, Free League didn't do the Expanse. That no, was, they didn't. No, that's uh, Green Ronin, I believe, who did it. Oh, was it I Green Ronin? Yeah, I haven't picked up the Expanse books, and to be honest, if I run something like the Expanse, there's like uh, there's a few games I'd probably run before the Expanse, just because like. Uh, yeah, there's the Tetradyne, was it called? Was one of the GURP settings, which is extremely similar to the Expanse. Let me double check the name of that one. Let me tell you what this was interesting about, about this setting. Um, Hold on one second. Yeah, because uh, I remember you had mentioned, you know, the Expanse show and the books and, and such, so. That's why I was curious if uh, that was going to be on our playlist in the future. I love the show and the books, but I think I'm so it, there is a setting called Teradyne. What's interesting about GURPS Teradyne and why I would almost want to run this before the expanse <laughs> is Teradyne was written right at that moment before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, and it, it projected a future with the USSR and the Soviets and that uh, immediate future era that the expanse kind of covers only it's it's taking it takes off from before the fall of the communist bloc and it expands a future from there which i think would be a really interesting fun game to run 
<laughs> and it's like a year after the wall fell and the book almost became obsolete. But now looking at it, like it's a great alternative history book. But when right. it was written, it was just a sci-fi book. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times sci-fi becomes reality, right? So <laughs> well, we're we're I think we're over time now. We're over time. Class, I, I think we got off topic too. <laughs> uh, it's a it happens. <laughs> if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We could really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Roll them for all the classes that you may be playing.